0: was sitting there just being patient in regards to running up here and I I saw someone run up here and I was like oh maybe they're preaching today <laughs> but they went back and sat down so so much for that <laughs> I tried and I'm, I'm not calling out names but I know I give him a microphone he, he'd go for, he'd go for 20 minutes Um, we're still in Mark chapter 1, we're running out of verses in Mark chapter 1, so we start back over at the beginning of Mark chapter 1 and go from there. <clears throat> my, my sermon title is probably a little bit odd if you read through this passage and you're looking there and saying, what in the world is Pastor Ralph going to speak about today thinking about church? Um, it's where my thoughts are, thinking about church. And as I went through this passage, you'll, you'll see where I'm going, hopefully, as we go through this um, in thinking about church and about um, where church may be going or where we should be going in regards to church. Um, I will say, a preface before I even start, and I appreciate, Paul, what you were sharing earlier about, um, you know, when we sit under the full authority of our King, our Lord Jesus, you know, what a difference that's going to be when when his his kingdom is in all fullness and, and we're in his kingdom in that way and with no more lying or, or stealing or cheating or those types of things are just gone. They're not even a thought. I was thinking, as Christians, do we want to live that way today? And it's, you know, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ who are in the kingdom of God, do we want to live under god's principles and you know in the kingdom of god today are we just waiting for some miracle to happen in the future you know oh someday when i get to heaven i'll stop lying and cheating and you know stealing and it's something to ponder in our own spiritual lives of if, if we claim to be in the kingdom of god are we living according to kingdom principles now in our life and allowing god to work in our life now and that's I believe where God wants us to be and so that's just a side Mark chapter 1 Mark chapter 1 verses 29 through 39 as soon as they left the synagogue they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew and Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and and they told Jesus about her so he went to her took her hand and helped her up and the fever left her and she began to wait on them And that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearest nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why I have come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we open up your word again on a Sunday morning, hopefully as we do every morning. And today, Lord. At this time, we ask that you speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Again, that your word comes alive in our lives. And we take your word and we apply it to our lives. We allow you to continue to do a good work in us and that we're different people from looking to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So thinking about church. Here's the question. If the question comes to you, what do you answer? What did you do on Sunday? I went to church. It's an interesting answer. Hopefully it's an answer that all of us are willing to share. What did you do? You know, you go to work on Monday. What did you do yesterday? What did you do over the weekend? I went to church. And for some reason, um, that statement and that answer, it reflects what our mindset quite often is in regards to what we are doing right now. We are doing church. We are at church. Um, And so hopefully, you know, we came into a building. I believe the heat is set just about right today. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. You know, it, it, it's not boiling hot in here that we're all going to fall asleep in the first five minutes of the sermon's message, you know, but it's not so cold that we all have to have blankets on and we're shivering. Um, I think we've been at both extremes in, in dealing with it, but we come into a building to worship God, to praise God, to hear a sermon, uh, on some Sundays take communion, uh, to have prayers and have blessings over us, and then we go home. We, we come and we do church. Um, even, even our dictionary agrees with that kind of a definition. Uh, the dictionary defines church as a building for public worship of God. A building of public Christian worship. Uh, there is a second definition that stretches it a little bit further. Public worship of God or a religious service in such a building it still defines this thing as church as what we are doing on a Sunday or if we do it on a Saturday or if we do it on Wednesday, but we're coming together with others and we're worshiping God and we call this thing church. What did I do on Sunday? I went to church. But those definitions, I believe, fall so short of what God wants for us in church. And as I was thinking about church and pondering about church this week, and actually in, in another strain of thought going through my head of what in the world am I going to preach about in Mark 1, 29 through 39, and thinking about that passages and studying that passage and reading about that passage. And so I have two streams of thought going through my head this week of where I'm at, and they just converged on me on, on Friday of, you no, know, I'm thinking about church. And Mark 1, 29 through 39, it's all about church. It's all about what church really is and what the, the reality of church should be in our lives. Because the reality in all of our lives is coming to a building once a week for several hours is just not enough. And it's not what God desires and what God calls in our life as Church the event that we have that's on our schedule and even Facebook when I go and schedule Facebook live and even the event that gets scheduled on Facebook it's called an event Almost as if it's something that we do from from 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, if you come to Sunday school classes, or discipleship classes, 9 o'clock on Sunday morning to 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, here's your event, here's your two hours. It starts, it stops, and that's it. Church is done. Close it off. We did that, and we get ready for next week, and we have that same event again that occurs for two hours. But it's not enough. We're really missing the depth of what God wants to do in our lives and what he wants to be in our lives, and we really miss the depth of what church Really should mean to each and every one of us. And in our passage this morning, I believe God wants us to see what we're missing when we define church as only heading to a building on a Sunday morning. And I believe these verses twenty-nine through thirty-nine in Mark one will illuminate for us what was happening in Jesus' life and what church really should mean in all of our lives as well. And so when we look at the life of Jesus as recorded for us in the Gospels, we can clearly see that Jesus spent his time in church, in Jesus' day, in the synagogue. Uh, We know throughout Jesus' life that he was in the synagogue. Several times in our passage that we have this morning, we have those words that he was in the synagogue, and we know that he was preaching in the synagogue. We know that when he was 12 years old, where did his parents find Jesus? They found him in the synagogue. They found him you know, teaching and, and, and talking about the scriptures. So we know that's part of church. We know that's part of the reality of church. But we also know from scriptures. We, we know and we see that it goes beyond just the synagogue. We know in the synagogue we found him teaching, but we also find him on the mountain teaching. We know in the synagogue we find him healing people, but we also see him healing people outside of the synagogue as well so we know uh, from these passages that we have before us that church has to be bigger than just the sabbath or the sunday and being in a building so that's where i want us to focus this morning i want to look at this passage and pull some things out of it for us to understand what does church look like for us and what can church really look like for us as we live our lives as christians so we're going to jump right back into mark chapter one And allow God, hopefully, to reveal something to us as we go through this. Jesus was defining church for us by living it out socially. And that's the first thing I want us to see, that we're living it out socially. Uh, Church didn't stop when Jesus left the synagogue. Um, We know that the passage starts out, as soon as they left the synagogue... He didn't, that wasn't his his nine o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, 11 o'clock in the morning, synagogue's done, church is over, that's it. Now we go home and we we have dinner or whatever we do on a Sunday afternoon. And for Jesus, whatever he was doing on that afternoon, church did not stop there. He was going to live this out socially in his life and his impact for other people. How does this work for Jesus? Verses 29 and 30. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went to with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. So they're going to somebody's home. Simon's mother-in-law, she was in bed. Think about it. Simon and Andrew live with Simon's mother-in-law. So she's in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So we know about someone being sick. And so he went to her, took her by the hand, and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Really simple verses for us. But it gives us a big picture of what church is looking like for Jesus from a social perspective. Church was to be lived out socially wherever he would go. Whomever he would con- come in contact, church was continuing to go. And he never closed the door on church. These verses are packed with a reality for us. They were going to someone's house. Well, that's being very social. But church was going with them. Because we're going to someone's house. We know that in this passage as well, he healed someone. So not only did he go to someone's house, he also healed someone. Oh, and then we know at the end of the verse that uh, Peter's mother-in-law waited on them. So most likely they sat down and they had some kind of meal. You know, maybe had you know some a glass of water or whatever it was. So so we have three little things that are going on in here. Three social things, social interaction that's going on in Jesus's life. But he doesn't sit there at the door of of Peter's, of of the house of Simon and Andrew, of Peter's house, and say, guys, we did that at the synagogue, now let's move back into the secular. We did the religious thing, now let's move back into the secular. We did the religious thing, now let's just move into the worldly things. What was happening in the synagogue was permeating into their lives socially as well. In every aspect of their lives, it was permeating and flowing through their lives into all the different things that they were going to do. When we're sitting in a restaurant, when we're going through the grocery store, when we're riding on a train or catching a bus, whether we take an Uber or a Lyft, when we're talking on the street next to our neighbor, when we're out at the mailbox saying hello to somebody, wherever we are in our lives, when we're at the the water cooler or the coffee pot at work, or whatever aspect of our lives that we can put ourselves in, we are in a social setting where church is going with us. Church does not end at the automatic doors when we walk out the building. The question becomes for all of us is, what do we want to do with this? So when Jesus went into the house of Simon and Andrew, into Peter, Peter's mother-in-law's house, they find out that she is gravely ill. So what does Jesus do in this situation? I know all the things that he didn't do that are very clear to me. See, this is the way that we, we talk, and this is the way that we act, and, and, and please don't take this wrong, but this is the things that we do. See, Jesus could have easily gone into that situation where, where Simon's mother, his mother-in-law was sick and said, well, I remember when my dad Joseph, when he was sick, and we took care of him, and we gave him some water, and we nursed him, and Jesus didn't do that. What I find funny is that we do that, and we go into somebody and they're, and they're sick, and we and we're we're going through their experience, and we say, "Well, you know, my my sister's husband's brother's cousin's niece, who's married to this nurse, said that if you do this for a fever, we can make it better. I can open up my phone, and I can figure out the answer for that." Uh, My phone says, rest and drink, plenty of fluids, medication isn't needed. Call the doctor if the fever is accompanied by a severe headache, stiff neck, shortness of breath, or other unusual signs or symptoms. You can look up on your phone what to do when you have a fever. And I have to ask myself, is this who I am? Is this who I have become? Because this is who the world is, and I don't believe this is the church that God desires. There's so something different about us, who call ourselves Christians, and when we're in the situation that is similar that Jesus is in, what is our reaction? And what is the steps that we take? Either we live out the church socially in, in the world that we walk through each and every day, or we make the decision that church is an event that we do from 9 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. And then we close the door, and then we go on And we just live our lives giving the same answers that the whole world wants to give or do we bring a different answer to that situation i know that's not always easy to do and i know on the hindsight of that and i've been on the looking in the rearview mirror of those events and i could kick myself in the rear end for not living out church in the way that god wants me to live out church and i believe he wants all of us to live out church in that way so what does become our reaction when someone comes to us and says, I have this going on in my life, or, yeah, I've been really I've been really having a bad headache. What does our reaction become? Well, I have some Tylenol back in my office. Let me go get some Tylenol for you. Oh, I, I might have some Tylenol in my purse. Should I get it out? What does our reaction become, and how do we live out church in that situation? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to speak in us and through us? We talked about last week about Jesus being the guy. The reality is Jesus is the guy. And we're we're the guy that follows the guy. And he says, go out and be my church. And if Jesus is willing to reach out and give his hand to a woman who is sick with a fever and allow her to be cured, am I allowed? And are you allowed to at least offer our words and say, oh, you have a fever, Let let me pray for you. And after you're done praying for them, then go get the Tylenol or whatever it is that you want to do. But if our answer is always the same as what the world gives, then then we're not the church. We're not living in the kingdom of God. We're just living in the kingdom of the world and giving the same answers that everyone else could be giving. Jesus did something to teach his disciples about how they should live out church. And I believe his disciples wrote those things down for us In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this passage wrote this down for us so that way we can understand how to live out the church in a social way. And again, it comes back to what will we do with this? Can we think and envision in our minds just for a moment, what would the world look like if we lived out these two simple verses in everywhere that we went? What would the world look like if we were able to live this out? What would people start to think about us? What would your friends think of you? Every time I tell them that I'm sick with something, they say they're going to pray for it. What would our friends think of us? What are we going to do to allow God to start working in the lives of the people around us? Maybe everybody's going to think we're off our rockers. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Read through the book of Acts. They thought all the disciples were off their rockers. We need to get off our rockers and be the church. Remember, Jesus is the guy. We're his called out ones, his church, and we follow his example. When someone starts telling us about their cancer, we're the ones that respond and say, Can I pray about your cancer? When someone starts telling us about their their bad relationships, we're the ones that start praying for their bad relationships and their struggles. We get to personally decide if church is limited to something we do on a Sunday or if we can carry it out in every part of our lives. Do we allow it to be limited just to this building or do we allow it to permeate deep enough inside us on a Sunday morning that it carries through and touches somebody else during the week? Now I know the reality of this. It takes some gumption to go and live this out in our lives you're thinking there in your seat and you say you really want us to go and live out church in such a way and it takes some gumption and that's where I go from just talking about living out church socially because it takes some gumption it takes the holy spirit living in our lives it takes the strengthening of god we can't do this unless we are living it living it out with the strength of the holy spirit living it out with his strengthening even though verse 32 is still about the same setting I, I believe we're given something that's in verse 32 that we can skip over all the time. And as we learn to study the Bible, and I know part of, uh, part of the Sunday school class that I'm going to, and I know another one as well, we're going through a the discipleship book and, and just talking about, right now we're in the chapter about studying the Bible. Who, what, where, when, why, all of those things. Look at verse 32. That evening after sunset. That's enough right there. Let me stop right there. That evening after sunset. When did this occur? Very simple question while we're studying the Bible. When did this occur? After sunset. So let's just call sunset 6 o'clock in the evening. I don't know what time of the year this was. I don't know if sunset was at 555 or 605. You could try and figure that out. Let's just call it 6 o'clock in the evening. After sunset, all of these people started coming to Jesus to be healed. I don't know how long that took. Whether they were bringing all of these sick people to, to him to be healed and all of the demons bringing them in to be healed. But let's say, just say it took two hours. Now we're into 8 o'clock. Now Jesus has to settle down for the evening. And maybe it's 8.39 o'clock. But now I jump down to verse 35. And after Jesus slept in in the morning. Now. No. Very early in the morning. See, I don't think verse 32 was an accident when Mark wrote this down for us. One verse that evening after sunset, all of these people, all of this ministry has to happen. He has to live this out socially, and then he moves on to the aspect of, he needs to have the strengthening of god in his life we have to live this out in a way that we are being strengthened by god very early in the morning while it was still dark jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed how many electronic devices do you have i know i have a i have a laptop at home it's my work laptop i have a phone in my pocket I have a tablet in front of me. I can tell you right now, if I never plug them in, if I never plug them in, they all go dead. I think it's a daily occurrence. i pick on my grandsons. I always hear, my phone is dead. My phone is dead. Well, go plug it in. I don't know where the charger is. If we want to live out our lives socially in the way that God wants, we need to live it out getting the strengthening that we need. We need to know where the plug is. We need to know where the charger is. And it's only when we go to God in prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us again that we'll be able to live out church life socially. Otherwise, we'll fall short. I said it's going to take some gumption for us to live out our lives socially, and I don't know what that looks like in each and every one of our lives, but I know it's going to take some gumption, and that gumption is the Holy Spirit in our lives when we want to plug into God and seek Him out we can't run on dead batteries real church doesn't run on dead batteries today i guess is the super bowl and it's going to be on this evening and i don't know if this will occur or not but quite often you see it at college football games and you'll see it at other football games right before the games you catch that scene where the whole team's in one big massive huddle And they all just start jumping up and down. And you, and if the microphone gets in there, they're all shouting and screaming, let's go, let's get ready. And they're all getting fired up and they're getting psyched up and they're getting juiced up and they're just getting ready, right? Getting mentally ready, but also just getting everything in their bodies ready as they keep jumping up and down in a crowd, you know, just cheering each other on. They're getting psyched up and pumped up because they know they have a big game in front of them. If we roll through life like there's nothing exciting that's going to happen, we're in trouble. But we need to depend on the strength of God to allow us to get to where we need to be. King David cried out, he says in Psalm 84.2, My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. There's deep yearning. When you wake up in the morning does your does your heart and your flesh cry out for the living god to come and fill me again today because i need to live out church i need to be the, i need to be the hands and feet of christ as, as i walk through this day when paul prays for the church In Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 3, he prays for God's strength to rest on them. He prays for God's power to be with them. He prays for God's love to be known for them. He wants God to be part of their life in a real way, and Paul is praying for that. And it should be the same prayer that we're seeking out in our own lives, that God's power is resting upon us so we have the strength of God to move forward with the day. Do we really want to take in so much of God on Sunday, so much of God every day, that we're strengthened by him and allow this to flow socially into our lives. It's a straightforward commitment to us, for us. Do I want to soak in so much of God? Does my heart and flesh yearn for God in such a way that I suck him in so much that as I roll through the day, that church just permeates through my life the entire day? We have to answer the question, yes it does or no it doesn't. Which way do we want to go? In the book of Mark, the phrase early in, early in the morning early in the morning only occurs twice. I don't know how I stumbled across this. Only two times in the book of Mark do we find this phrase early in the morning. You can go check it. If I made a mistake, please let me know. We have it here in our passage. Very, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. That's one thing to do early in the morning. I want to give you the other verse. Mark 15, 1. Mark 15, 1. Very early in the morning, the chief priest with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin, they made their plans. And so they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. That's a story about Jesus' arrest and his eventual crucifixion. Do you get the two aspects and the two extremes that were going on? Here we have in the early parts of the book of Mark, very early in the morning, what does Jesus do? He seeks out his heavenly father to be strengthened for the day. And then we get down towards the end of the book of Mark. What do the teachers of the law and the Sanhedrin, the chief priest, what do they do? They seek out their own evil, wicked schemes of how they want to destroy Jesus. It's a huge contrast, and I'm not saying we're at one extreme or the other, but I know if there was a preference in my life, I would prefer to have the strengthening of God that I'm sitting over on. I'm very early in the morning, I'm seeking out the Heavenly Father. Or does my very early in the morning, does it get to the extreme where I'm seeking out my own evil schemes for the day? What's in it for me? How am I going to manipulate this day to be what I want it to be? How am I going to control my destiny today? How am I going to make this work for me today? And God calls us back to living out church, being strengthened by him. If we have our heart set on living out church socially, we must have our heart set out on finding God early in the morning. And I I don't care if you're early in the morning is at lunch or is at dinner time or is it before your bedtime. I'm saying glue yourself to it, stick to it, seek God, and allow God to speak into your life and allow the strength of God to rest on you and to have you placed in God's hands each and every day. It drops us from living socially, living this with the strengthening of God, to living this outstretching. I don't like to be stretched. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be, be stretched. This is a full confession. Me and my wife, locked in her home, I'm good. I don't like to be stretched. Put me into a social setting that's mandatory, and I'm like, uh, okay, I'll do it if I have to but I don't like to be stretched. And so I don't know where you're at in this aspect, but I do know that God wants to stretch us. He wants to extend us. He wants to pull us beyond where we want to be. Ralph, where do you get this? Verse 38. Verse 38, Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. I'm like, Jesus, what are you talking about? You have a great ministry here in Capernaum. There are people that are sick. There are people with demons. They're coming to you. You don't even have to go and find them, Jesus. They're knocking on the door and coming over to the house in the evening. You could just stay at at Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house every night, and the whole town would keep coming to you over and over. Isn't that enough, Jesus? And Scripture tells us it's not enough. It's not enough. And it wasn't enough. And his disciples probably scratched their head and said, you know, can't we stay here in Capernaum? I mean, Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house is pretty nice. We had a good night's sleep. And Jesus is saying, no, we have to stretch beyond. We have to allow God, the Father, to stretch us. I may have shared this in the past. As I said, I don't like to be stretched. And I probably, uh, Sam and Jackie probably heard this, this sermon. I, if they're there in church with me at that point. And I can't even remember what day it was or whatever. And someone was just talking a sermon similar to this about going out and being in the church, about praying for others. And I was like, okay, and I don't like to be stretched, but I'm going to do this. And it was Christmas time. So I said, Okay. I go and see my barber every four weeks, roughly every four weeks. This past week was one of those weeks. I go and see my barber roughly about every four weeks. And you can tell when my hair's getting long that Ralph's behind on his appointments. And I said to myself, I want to pray for my barber. Now, my barber is a pretty good guy. He, he's a Catholic. He's, he's a faithful Catholic. He, he's, in the past, he's taught Bible studies in the the. Uh, prison. And so I know he's following God the best that he can and, and seeking God and desires to follow God. But I said to myself, ah, I'm going to pray for my barber. And so I was like, wow, okay. I dreaded, dreaded the day. But I had, you know, I was committed to this and allowing God to stretch me. And so I, I went into the barber, you know, and got my hair cut, paid him the money that I owed him, You know, and then I said, can I pray for you? I don't know what he thought. I really don't know what he thought in that moment. But he, you know, most people don't say, you're a wacko, get out of my barber shop. You know, so he said yes, and I prayed for him. Now I can tell you, I know a lot about my barber. And every Christmas, I pray for my barber. Um, This year I missed Christmas, had to do it a couple weeks later because I had coronavirus, but you know, so things go. But every year now, I pray for my barber, and it's a stretching, it's a huge stretching. And I say, God, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I don't like God taking me somewhere where I don't want to go, but I know that God wants to do that in our lives. And I know that Jesus' ministry was going to be a lot bigger than just Capernaum. There were other places for Him to go. God always wants our circle to be bigger. And you could take a piece of paper right now and you could draw a circle on that piece of paper and you could write the names of the friends that you have and the people that are close in your lives and you can write them down. And God's saying, okay, you got your little circle, but I want your circle bigger. And I want church to be lived out in a bigger circle than just that little one that you have. And God wants to stretch that out and to take that and make it bigger and go beyond that list of friends. And it's so you have a greater circle and a greater influence and that the kingdom of God continues continues to be preached to those who need to hear it. Does God want to stretch you? Yes, he does. The question becomes what the Holy Spirit will place on your heart to do. The question becomes, will you be strengthened so God can stretch you? Now, maybe God's going to ask you to pray for your barber. Doug, maybe you should pray for your hairdresser. Laura, maybe the guy that goes to your hairdressing shop should pray for you. That works. They both go to, you know, if you didn't get that connection. Hopefully you got that connection. And that should be a safe place. there You could practice, Doug, praying for your hairdresser. And I don't know what God wants you to be stretched into. I don't, and I don't feel impelled to pray for everybody that I come in contact with. I can tell you the guy that cuts me off on the highway, I say some prayers of blessing for. After God corrects me for saying some other prayers for them. I'm real, I'm real. And God corrects me and says, and that's not the prayer you should be saying, Ralph. You know, but but when God puts it on your heart that you should be praying for the person that's coming to you who's talking about being sick, then you should be praying for them. And when God's saying you should go over to your neighbor's house and spend some time with them because they're lonely and hurting, maybe you should go to your neighbor's house and spend some time with them because they're lonely and hurting. Or maybe God's just saying, look, go shovel your neighbor's driveway and scrape the snow off, and he'll wonder who, who did it. I don't know how God wants to stretch you, but I know as the church of God, God wants to keep stretching us out to be the church, to live it out socially, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the strengthening that we receive, and that will just keep stretching us and stretching us. Jesus stretched beyond Capernaum. There was Magdala and Chorazin, the town of Tiberias. Bethsaida would be a good town to preach in. Eventually, he'd end up in Jerusalem, where he died on the cross for our sins. Where would we be today if Jesus stayed in Capernaum? We would all be lost. But God stretched him. The Father led him through the Spirit to places he needed to be and eventually to the cross to die for our sins and to have our, for- our forgiveness. Where does God want to stretch us and take us? Are we ready? Are we willing to be stretched? So what do we do with all of this? I can tell you one option. 11 o'clock exactly right now we pack up we go home church is over that's one thing we can do with this is church is big enough for me nine o'clock on sunday morning to 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock on sunday morning to 11 o'clock church is big enough that's enough that's enough for me that's one thing we can do with it but the other thing that we can do with it is to allow church to be part of our lives each and every day God wants us to start living out church in our social settings. Living out church, being strengthened by him. Living out church by being stretched by him. When you read the book of Daniel, you learn about a lot about Daniel. I have one of these deep thoughts about Daniel I'll share for another day. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday, riding in the car, or maybe Friday, riding in the car. Deep thought on Daniel. But you learn a lot about Daniel. Look at at Daniel and think about his life and what it meant. He was led off into captivity, no more synagogue. He was forced, no more synagogue. He was forced to live out his faith in a social setting to allow people who didn't want anything to do with his religion, didn't want anything to do with his God. He had to live this out in front of them. But he lived it out by seeking out God, we know, three times a day. Spending time allowing God to be poured into his life so God could be poured into the lives of other people around him. And then look at what happened to Daniel. That man was stretched. He was stretched. And when he he got there, his circle were just a few Jewish guys that he had gone into captivity with. But then it got stretched bigger and bigger. And bigger to the point that he was one of the leaders in the whole nation. i look at daniel and i say here's a man that was led off into captivity but trusted god so much that church became his whole life yes for him god became his whole life synagogue became his whole life and i look back at our lives and say are we ready to be someone like daniel are we ready to live out church the way that we see it in mark 1:29 through 29-39 What do we want to commit to today? Church. What did you do on Sunday? I went to church. What did you do on Monday? Hopefully, I lived out church. I lived out church. Can we commit to that today? Tomorrow, this afternoon, Tuesday, Friday, whatever day it is, I want to live out church i want to keep being the church when the door slams on the building let's be the church of god let's pray together heavenly father the joy of the lord is our strength and i know what brings you joy is when we're living for you and that will be our strength But I do ask for your strengthening upon us as your believers, your followers, those who call themselves Christians, that you strengthen us through the mighty power of your Holy Spirit, that we can live out church in every day of our lives, that we can live out church in the mundane and the exciting, live it out in a way that people know who we are and what we stand for. We ask that you continue to hold us by your mighty right hand. That you continue to comfort us in your arms. We thank you again for the heads of protection that you have placed around us. We thank you again for your deep love for us. And that Jesus died on the cross for our forgiveness. But now we need to go be the church, Lord. We need to get out of church so we can be the church. So Lord, be with us and keep us. May your blessings pour into our lives so we can take them and pour them into someone else's. We thank you for your goodness and that you allow your goodness to shine through us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.